Okay, we are back. This is Get the Funk Out. I'm Janine. That was The Veils, uh, and that was track one called Not Yet. And uh, we're going to uh, go on to our next guest, who is standing by to join us, Dr. Harriet Lerner. We're going to talk about her book, Why Won't You Apologize? Good morning, Dr. Lerner. Good morning. I really have enjoyed your book. Uh, it's very interesting. Why is it that it's so hard for people to apologize? Well, it's hard to apologize because we are wired for defensiveness and blame, and because a true apology <clears throat> means accepting responsibility for our part of a problem without a hint of evasion <laughs> or excuse-making, even when the other person's feelings seem exaggerated or they can't see their own contribution to the problem. And it's especially difficult if we're talking about a big hurt and the other person is confronting us in an angry way. It is very difficult for humans to listen without defensiveness. And yet, no real apology has meaning if we haven't listened carefully to the other person's anger and pain. Yes. Uh, by the way... Uh some of the authors that have endorsed this book, Gloria Steinem, Anne Lamont, Brenny Brown, I mean, this is pretty incredible. Congratulations. Thank you. It's really wonderful, and it's so relevant. What inspired you to write this? Well, it, it's such an important topic. We're all connected. We all screw up. <laughs> we all unwittingly hurt others just as we are hurt by them. So the need to give and receive apologies is with us until our very last breath. And when done right, the good apology can be very healing. And when done wrong, it will put a crack in the very foundation of a relationship or even end it. So I've been studying apologies for a long time, but actually, to be honest, what actually got me to hit the computer and start the book okay. is I received a really dreadful apology, just one of these Ooh. sleazy, blame-reversing, <laughs> um, terrible apologies that I found it hard to shake it off. And it's funny what gets us to actually sit down and start writing something that right. we've been interested in over many years, but yes. that did it for me. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting sometimes, too. Uh, I feel like if you stop and you, and you um, put yourself in the other person's shoes, like let's say uh, you're very defensive and you can't understand why you deserve that apology, I, I feel like you've got to take a breath, step away, and examine both sides of the situation. Well, it is very hard to put yourself in the hurt party's shoes if that hurt party is attacking you oh, yes. and wants you to be sorry and you're not <laughs> sure, you know, if you have something to be sorry about. That's true. But that's, I mean, that's where it's really at because some apologies are very simple. You know, if you spill red wine on your friend's white carpet, you're immediately going to say, I'm sorry, and oh, yeah. offer to pay the cleaning bill. But the sort of apology that we're talking about, where you have to put yourself in the other person's shoes, is difficult, and yet it's so important. Right. Because 
what the hurt party wants to hear is not just the words, quote, I'm sorry. The hurt party really wants us to get it. Right. Um, and you don't. Apolo- they want their reality validated. They right. want us to say, yes, I get it. I screwed up. I was wrong. Your feelings make sense. Mm-hmm. And I won't do that again. And to offer that kind of apology, we need to really be able to listen. Right. I know, because sometimes you just completely don't get the perspective. And you know, I I remember I'll hear things from people say, well, I'm sorry you interpreted it that way, or things that <laughs> really get under my skin, and you're, like, trying to breathe. You know? <laughs> well, you know, there are so many ways to muck up an apology, and, of course, the number one way is with the word but. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry that I yelled at you, but you provoked me. I'm sorry yeah. that I missed your birthday, but I was just snowed under with work. It doesn't matter if what you say after the but is true, it makes the apology false. So, you know, one good thing to remember is to get your but out of your apology. (laughs) And, you know, the other thing that you just mentioned is another way to really muck up an apology is to apologize for the other person's reactions or feelings. Bingo. Rather than for the, the specific thing that we said or you know, did not do or say. Mm -hmm. So it's not an apology to say, for example, I'm sorry that you felt upset when I corrected your stories at the party. Exactly. That's not an apology. There's no accountability there. So the real apology would be, I'm sorry that I corrected your stories at the party. It was wrong because you had told me that you don't like that. And I'm really sorry, and I won't do it again. This could be a whole lecture or college class. Exactly. (laughs) How to muck up your apology. Right. Why is it that there are so many female over-apologizers? Well, one risk for being an under-apologizer is being raised male, Mm -hmm. and one risk factor for being prone to over-apologizing is being raised female. And there are many factors that drive over-apologizing for women, Um, you know, with this endless stream of I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry, were you going to sit there? Oh, I'm sorry, you were looking at that menu. Oh, I interrupted you. I'm so sorry. And, you know, as if we went to Miss Manners' apology, finishing school. And, you know, it can be a reflection of low self-esteem. It can be an unconscious wish to avoid criticism and disapproval before it occurs. It can be a desire to draw attention to oneself, to show off what a well-mannered brownie scout one is. It, It can be almost like an automatic hiccup, you know, something like a verbal a little self-effacing girl thing that, you know, we learned long ago. Whatever the cause, it's good for over-apologizers to tone it down. Mm -hmm. So if you've forgotten to return your friend's Tupperware, you don't have to apologize with enormous intensity (laughs) as if you've run over her 
kitten. Right. <laughs> because over-apologizing creates distance. Mm-hmm. It interrupts the normal flow of conversation, and it will irritate your friends. Yes, for sure. Yes. And also, I want to talk about um, how, how can the hurt party get through to the defensive non-apologizer? Well, often when we want the apology, we do the very thing that will make it less likely that we're going to receive the apology. We exaggerate the criticisms. We speak with a lot of intensity in our voice. We over-talk it. We overload the circuits. We do the very things that will make the wrongdoer wrap themselves more tightly in a blanket of defensiveness and denial. That said, it's also very important to understand that some people are entrenched non-apologizers. And the more serious the harm the less likely that the apology will be forthcoming. And that no matter how well you put things, no matter how gracefully you open a conversation, that you will never get through to such a person. Are there things we can teach our children, like the ways to apologize, strategies? Yes, we can teach our children to apologize I have a one-sentence solution, which is rare for me, but this is how you teach your children to apologize. You can ask them to apologize, and when they do, you say, thank you for the apology. I really appreciate it. What makes kids allergic to apologizing, what makes them want to stick their fingers in their ears, you know, and get out of the room is that the parent says, well, thanks for the apology, but, you know, maybe next time I won't have to ask you three times. Or thanks for the apology, but, you know, you're looking down at your shoes and now you look your brother in the eye and you say it like you mean it and you be sincere and Mm -hmm. you go to your room and you think about, you know, how your brother felt when you left him out of the game, oh, and I know. <laughs> et cetera. So it's very, you know, this sounds very simple. Right. It's very difficult for parents to just say, thank you for the apology. Yes, there may be more to talk about, but save it for a different conversation where it yes. won't cancel out the apology and make your child, and your child could be 30 years old, but make your child feel, what's the point? Sure, sure. I, I feel like it's important with kids not to uh, drone on, to, to belittle them, obviously. To, you know, you, you want them to understand how to communicate in a meaningful, uh, productive way. Well, you there are a lot of things we want to teach our children, and it will help. Brevity, though, really helps because children <clears throat> very quickly get overloaded. And when I was writing a different book, The Mother Dance, and I would interview kids, and I would say, tell me one thing that your parents can do to make the family better. Mm-hmm. 
And the answer that I most frequently heard was, say it shorter, Mom. Mm. Like, Mm. you tell me to clean up, but then you go on and on, and I I can't even remember the first thing that you said. And I mean, I'm, I'm, by the way, very guilty of over-talking things. And uh, I remember lecturing my younger son, Ben, on the issue of cleaning up the private space when he was in high school, okay. the public space, not not our boys' rooms. We just closed the door, hope the health department <laughs> wouldn't come in, but we had some rules about the, the public space. Yeah. And I would go on and on, you know, and Ben's brain waves would be flat and his oh, eyes no. would be rolling back <laughs> in his head, and I clearly didn't have his attention. Right. Um, so brevity and saying it shorter yes. is an incredibly important and difficult thing to learn. Is that what inspired you to write that book, is being a mom? What, the, the mother dance yes. you're talking about? Yes, Oh, yes, the mother dance, absolutely, really. And then the dance of anger, I do want to mention you sold several million copies with over 25 foreign editions. Yes, that book, by the way, was rejected for five years. What? And um, we should light a little candle for me because I actually wrote it on a typewriter. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) It was way back, and really, when it was finally published, I thought no one would read it but my mother and my five best friends, and um, (laughs) that's the book that is still flying off the shelves, but um, thank goodness my stubbornness kept me going. I love it. The Dance of Stubbornness, that's your next book. (laughs) I could call it perseverance, but it's, you know, 50% stubbornness, 50% perseverance. That's okay. We all need that. So where can people find out more about you? Um, I have a website, just harrietlearner.com. I'm at at Twitter. I'm also a blogger for Psychology Today. Oh, I love that magazine. Yeah, so um, it's easy to find me. Okay, wonderful. Any last bit of advice for people that are in a funk this Monday morning that maybe they, you know, I don't know, any any little advice for people dealing with something? Well, actually, just to remember that everything changes. So if you're in a funk... um, that will change if you change, if you do one thing differently. Yes. And um, regrettably, if you're having the best day of your life, <laughs> that will also change because change is all that we can count on for sure, mm-hmm. which I, I think, you know, has to give us some hope. Yes. Dr. Lerner, thank you so much for sharing this great book about the art and the craft of apology and repair, and I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. You too. Bye-bye. That was Dr. Harriet Lerner. She was calling in from Kansas. And if you missed any part of this segment about her book, Why Won't You Apologize? Healing Big Betrayals and Everyday Hurts, it will be up on my show blog, getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. All right, I have to wrap up and get out of here because Sheldon Abbott is standing by with Cure for the Blues. And I'll be back next week. Uh, I'm Janine. This is Get the Funk Out. And you're listening to KUCI. 88.9 FM in Irvine.